This will not make the podcast. Ooh, greatest play in Jacksonville history. Put me on layaway. All these guys are very young. I believe in miracles. Man, he's just laying the wood on these guys. <laughs> Ramen noodle night every single night. St. John's County. Just total chaos. Parks and trails local to Jacksonville. I need the Biloxi schedule now. I'll just stay here in Jacksonville. Fan love. I don't know what she was thinking. La Roja. Oh, no. The VAR again. Alrighty, thanks for coming on back. Andrew Drew, alongside Trent Young. Speaking of back, people coming back. You know, you got to start from the bottom of the AFC South, Trent. We'll make a little Jags transition here. North Florida, keep, keeping it local, Trent. Not much going on in the NFL nowadays with it being the offseason, but some uh, fireworks, if you will, or maybe some heat markers going off in Jacksonville, Trent. Got a couple issues piling up. Last time we talked, which was a while ago, back early April, probably a full two months now um, since we had you around, and some, some big things being dropped. You're obviously close to the action down there in Jacksonville, like you said, only 10, 15 minutes away from the stadium. Tell me some thoughts on, on the big news. Probably the biggest coming out of is Telvin being a no-go, which if you're a Jags fan, you're widely aware of this. That being one of the biggest stories kind of emerging here in the last couple months for the Jags. The departure of Telvin Smith for this upcoming season, that, that's going to be huge. I think that the Jaguars may have, their the front office may have known that that was definitely a very real and imminent possibility of him sitting out the season. You know, they spent an early third-round pick on Quincy Williams, linebacker out of Murray State, and then the older brother of Quentin Williams. That was kind of a head-scratcher at the time, thinking, well, the guy's listed as a safety. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, we kind of already have our strong safety in Ronnie Harrison. And then, you know, I immediately went and watched the, the press conference with Doug Marone after and he said almost verbatim, Quincy Williams is going to play linebacker for us. He will not play safety. Mm-hmm. And so that was just crazy seeing us draft a safety on the draft board. He's listed as a safety. And then you look up his, his measurables, I think he's like six foot, six one, and like about 230, 240. So, you know, definitely a bigger guy can play, probably play some linebacker. If you watch any of his, his highlights, man, he's just laying the wood on these guys <laughs> left and right, coming out of nowhere. I mean, you know, a very Telvin Smith-like player. So definitely a huge learning curve and a huge gap to jump from the second tier of NCAA all the way up to the NFL. But I definitely think that, you know, Quincy Williams is, is going to step up and hopefully uh, play that role of Telvin Smith, you know, as like a every down backer. And I think that he's got the intangible skill set for it. They have talked relentlessly about how Josh Allen is going to exclusively be a defensive end. He's not there to play linebacker. So there are definitely a lot of question marks right now. And then if you look a little deeper, not to skip ahead too much, but, you know, Jalen Ramsey came out and spoke to the press yesterday and said how, you know, he knows he's not going to get a new contract. He believes that he's earned it, but he knows it's not coming. And he seemed very calm. He didn't have really any animosity. There wasn't a negative tone in his voice. He seemed to be very content with where he's at right now, and I hope he is. That was reassuring to see, but then you look at Twitter just a few minutes later, an hour later, and he's going off about how they're going to have to put him on layaway because he's going to ask for so much money. So I kind of heard both things from Jalen yesterday. And then after that, he posted a picture of himself practicing, and then he said, I'd be joking, but sometimes I'd be serious, LOL. So I don't know what to make of the situation (laughs) of how Jalen feels, but you know, it's just social media. He's, you know, having fun with it. But uh, I definitely think that he's going to get a very substantial payday. And I'm hoping that the Jaguars organization is the one that can provide those funds to him. 
instead of another NFL team. Don't want to see you know such a great talent slip away, such a great building block for a franchise. So hope that he gets his money because he's extremely deserving of it. Anytime you hear that the team is not going to re-sign him, you know, people freak out. But there's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of logistics that go into that. So it's not like that the Jags don't want him. It's just with everything going on and being on his deal, they love to save money. And he's going to get a massive payday when it when it comes around, whether it's with the Jags, obviously, like you said, hopefully with them, then outside of them. But so it was kind of funny. And I didn't I didn't take any any grain of salt into that is I just think that was like a, a cheeky Jalen Ramsey saying they're gonna have to pay me the bank or put me on layaway I I just laughed because I, I didn't think that was serious at all I thought it was hilarious he's also you know with the fifth year extension he's gonna be here this is the fourth season and then next year will be the fifth so he's here for those two seasons and then the following season we could franchise tag him if a deal doesn't work out so essentially I mean he's almost 99% guaranteed to be here for the next three seasons you want him to get paid and the money is tied up right now a lot in the Foles contract, but in three years from now, we'll be able to potentially get out of that. And um, hopefully we can maybe transition the money elsewhere. We've had some really good backup quarterback play that I've heard so far out of camp from uh, yeah. Alex McGoo, the former backup to Russell Wilson in Seattle, and then also our fifth-round draft pick, Gardner Minshew out of Washington State, played under Michael Leach, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. So they've been uh, – progressing pretty well so far camp from what I've heard but Jalen if he leaves you know I hope it's for more than just the money I definitely want him to to have the world and he's earned it in my opinion so I think the Jackson Jaguars would be very very silly to not resign him or to try to work with him the money's there you see NFL teams all the time they can convert signing bonuses into the contractor or vice versa so you know you can play around with the money and, and make it happen that brings me to the next point is now we have Unique Ngakwe sitting out of mandatory minicamp wanting a new deal because he was, you know, a third-round draft pick three years ago, and there's a lot more money to be made out there than you know, the rookie contract of a third-round draft pick. So I don't know how that's going to get resolved if, if we even have the cap room right now uh, to, to re-sign him. So that's going to be a situation to monitor later down the road this summer. He's been doing well. Went to Maryland, right? He's coming out of yes. from college. Yes, he was, I remember he was a beast back then. Obviously, the nation and facts. Yeah, man, came out. killing it. And he's been doing very productive for the Jags. Only didn't start one game in the last three years. Started all sixteen and eighteen, all sixteen and seventeen, and started fifteen back in two thousand sixteen. He's been a constant presence on the rebranding that they've come up with the last couple of years of Saxonville, playing a large part in that. So yeah, I like Ngakwe, like you said, and so hopefully that isn't a lingering issue because we see it all around guys will hold out they get paid hey they go right back to work and it, it's not a problem they work something out or the management is in touch with them they figure things out as long as they have it behind closed doors not too worried about it then when there starts to get some separation and they're talking to the media see the visible split that's when the trouble starts to happen but just because somebody is is saying something or holding out i don't necessarily look too much into that but back to Jalen, i know as far as the new contract once again no surprises but from what I've also heard is there's just some uncertainty because Radis's contract's ending of the collective bargaining agreement goes through the end of 2020 is when it expires. So it'll be in 2019, it'll be on the table. So this coming football season and next football season, it'll run all the way through that. But after that, right around to where they start talking Jalen into that contract is when they'll be renewed. So 
that's also one thing that I've heard is playing into the hesitancy or lack of contract just because they have no idea what things are going to look like. So they don't want to have to sign him to three different deals and have to shuffle all that around. And in the meantime, because the regulations of could look a little different, and that could actually pay out in Jalen's favor that they're waiting to do that. Perhaps more minimum for veterans, always kind of those hot-button issues or things that they can get more pay for or your top five of your position, blah, blah, blah. Like the franchise tag, that could look different. We had the nightmare with the Le'Veon scenario last year. So I think, at least personally, that'll be a hot-button issue going into the bargaining or if it's not already being discussed into the bargaining agreement there's just a lot of things up in the air but at least to me I don't think anything super serious coming out of here I mean do you think Ndokwe's scenario is a distraction or that's hurting anybody right now Trent I know you said it's news but I mean they have to give you something I mean like if the Jags media and the Jacksonville media just say hey guys everything's cool everybody's doing having a great camp no issues, nothing going on. They're always trying to stir the pot. They've, they've got to write about something. So especially in the offseason, <laughs> early June, you know, the NFL is pretty chill. Not uh, any blockbuster trades going on or blockbuster signings. It is what it is for the time being. Do you see any negatives that can come out of this in Dockway scenario besides the obvious of him potentially pulling a Le'Veon? Yeah, I don't think that, you know, a whole year sit-out is really possible. But at the same time, who can even say that, especially as a Jaguars fan, because who expected Delvin Smith to do that? So, yeah. I mean, really, anything's possible, but I will side with Unique here. This guy was supposed to just be a rotational defensive end, and he ended up making Dante Fowler the rotational defensive end. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this is a, a guy who comes in and keeps his mouth closed, and he just works hard. And what else is he supposed to do if he goes to the front office and says, hey, you know, I think I'm getting underpaid. I'd like a new contract. They say no. What else is he supposed to do? Continue to put his head down and work just as hard? I mean, the only thing he really can do to bring light to the situation is just to sit out. He initially showed up to voluntary camp uh, workouts, and then I think he sat out like the last few. This isn't out of nowhere. He's wanted a new contract. I think that he is deservingly, you know, earned one. And it's got to be hard for these guys who have been here and done all the dirty work the last few years to just see a guy who's essentially been a career backup come in and get $88 million that they've worked, you know, so hard for. So, you know, I can't help but feel for for the guys who have been here and who have been putting in their time, working their tails off to get this franchise, you know, the name Saxonville and to get where we are today, you know, getting screwed out of an AFC championship. You can't ever convince (laughs) me otherwise. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, did everything that, you know, they could in their power, Miles Jack. That would have been the greatest play, single play, in Jacksonville history, maybe besides that Jalen interception on Nathan Peterman. I was sitting next to Peterman's uncle when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably always going to be my number one memory. Peterman, a Bartram Trail kid, local to Jacksonville, St. John's County, just not a good quarterback. I think he threw five or six interceptions last year against the Chargers or the year before. So, yeah. But I can't fault Unique for wanting to make a scene, make a statement, and kind of get some attention because, like you said, there's not a lot going on right now. There aren't those blockbuster trades, and so this is the only thing that's going on right now besides Jalen and Telvin. So I think he's wise to stir the waters a little bit, and could, you know, if he doesn't get the payday, I just sit out some of the off-season programs and that'll cost him some money, so that's unfortunate, you know. But at the same time, if he feels he's not getting paid what he needs to get paid, you got to do what you got to do. It, it, at the end of the day, it's a business. It's his job. It's his career. And if he wants a raise, then 
he's going to get one. from If it's not from the Jacksonville Jaguars, then he'll pull away beyond and sit out. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think that we eventually will make some efforts to adjust the salary, the way the salary cap is first, and you know try to find money for these guys who have been here and working so hard so diligently over the last few years. Unique is the prime example of that. As soon as Calais Campbell's gone, which could happen in a year now, you know, mm-hmm. age is obviously factor for all but who's our best defensive lineman once Calais retires it's clearly unique and, and he's going to be you know somebody that we can build around I talked about Jalen being a building block for a franchise if we didn't have Jalen everyone would look at unique that way he's just kind of overshadowed because he plays in such a talent-rich defense he's not even technically you know with all due respect to him he's not even the best defensive end on the on the roster so mm-hmm. I get how he feels the odd man left out but that's a man that needs to be paid for sure just making over two million according to pro football reference this year will be the last year of his contract the four-year rookie deal he had if they want to stick him around they got to do neil deal anyway so you got a good point they can always say hey man like we loaded up foals we can give you this amount of contract they could always back load it front load it you know how they do things just to get that worked out 2016 all nfl rookie team 2017 went to the pro bowl 2018, he's ranked in the NFL's top 100 players. They ranked him as the 88th top football player. And Put some spec on it. Some good stuff. 12 sacks when he made the Pro Bowl back in 2017. So like you said, performance is there. The health is there. Guy that's been taking care of himself, which is hard to do, especially on the D-line. If he's playing all this, I know those linemen are warriors, man. There's something to be said for a guy that's been in the league three years. He's had... 16 regular season games. Of course, he's got the the three playoff games as well. But he's been a part of it all. He's been healthy. He's been productive. They'll work it out. So not too stressed about that. But it's just like anybody, and it's it kind of pisses me off, and, and it's a weird line to be walking on top of. It's like, these guys are making millions of dollars. When are they asking for more? But on the same thing is like, if you've been in your job, if you've been working, whatever you are, whether you're an accountant, whether you're waiting tables, whether you're doing whatever, if you're doing a great job and you've got accolades to go off of it and great reviews and you've been there for three years, I mean, who isn't asking for a raise? Exactly. I remember I used to work for a golf course, same same type of thing. I asked for a raise a couple of years in. These guys are doing nothing different. They're in their careers. They're trying to maximize their pay for their production. Healthy, productive, positive. Great teammate from everything that I hear about him, and obviously don't know him on a personal level, but everything that I hear has been a solid guy, like you said, able to learn under Calais, because to your point, how long is Calais going to be around? He'll be 33 before they kick off their opening game this year. I think he's got a September birthday, September 1st, so he'll be 33 by the time they get the regular season started. So especially in a gruesome position, like you said, he will be the next, if he's still a Jaguar, hopefully he will. He's going to be, you know, the best player that we have there. Well, seeing as how Josh Allen goes here, we have him develop. I forget which network it was, but one of the networks is covering the draft. You know, they all do. They didn't even put a position on him. They just said rusher. And uh, so, so I think it's an applicable position for him being at the Jags is obviously going to need to turn up pass rush baby get that get that going get Saxonville back on the map trying to bounce back from uh last year you can always use some depth man yeah I was just going to say I like what you said about how uh you brought up the contracts and how uh, Unique's only going to get paid two million dollars this year I think Foles is going to get over 20 million dollars this year so do you want to really tell me that Nick Foles is 10 times more valuable to this franchise than Unique and Gakwe especially when you look at it from a 
from a financial perspective, defensive ends, edge rushers, those are the guys who get paid almost as much as the quarterback, the only position really that can come close to as far as uh, how much they're paid. I think that, like you said, he's put his time in, he's, he's done his hard work, and who, who wouldn't ask for a raise with that resume? I mean, no one anticipated that. He was drafted to be a rotational defensive end behind Dante Fowler. We let Dante Fowler go because that's how great Unique is. Mm-hmm. And we spent a top five draft pick on Fowler. I can't think of really anyone maybe besides Jalen who deserves that money more. Maybe because of the new collective bargaining agreement, that's what they're waiting on to let that go into effect and then to try to work on a deal from there but yeah um good on Unique though for for holding out and for making a statement there's nothing else that he can do he's gonna show up and he's gonna put his hand in the dirt and he's gonna go get that quarterback that, that's what the guy does on Sundays mm-hmm. it's probably just been a, a rough couple of years for him making that third round draft pick salary but got enough for now but he'll be rewarded handsomely for uh, all these years playing at, at such a cheap price respectively yeah, just want to put some perspective. We were talking about stats and just some accolades that he had, and we said he was number eight. I mean, it's a pretty arbitrary list. I just threw it out that he was the 2018 number 88 player of the NFL Top 100. What that was last summer, 2018, the NFL Network had there like the host of the survey, I guess. But it was voted on by active NFL players based on the past season and the upcoming season, or just everything in general. Like we said... And Dockway was 88. Put that in perspective, number one, Tom Brady. So there's, you know, not a lot of argument going to be held with a lot of the players in that regard. But I want to give you a snapshot of Ndokwe's company down here. So we're, I'm going to read you some late 70s, 80s, and 90s rankings of players who, according to the players in the NFL, who Ndokwe keeps his company with. If we don't mind this little sidebar here. So... Notable player, number 77 on this list, Odell Beckham. 11 positions just above Ndokwe. We know all about the the Beckham scenario. So we'll go down. Monster season for the Saints. 81 is Michael Thomas for the New Orleans Saints. Seven positions above Ndokwe. So we'll go down a little bit. 84, J.J. Watt. They put him four slots above Ndokwe. That low, that's very shocking, I would say. Yeah. I would have anticipated Watt to be in the top 50. That's remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then maybe he used that as fire, I mean, through that. I mean, what was it, 16 sacks in that 2018 season? So this is before the season. Yeah, 16 sacks. They had, uh, they voted before the season, so this was essentially based off 2017. So I guess he kind of got... I think he was hurt for a good yeah. part of that season, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. So that's probably why. That makes sense a little bit, but dang, we all know J.J. Watt's a lot better than <laughs> 83 other players. <laughs> Still, and Doc yeah, being so. within shouting distance of that. So corner... Oh, that's great company, though. Yeah, cornerback 86, Chris Harris, no-fly zone in Denver. He gets a lot of love. He's 86, so just two above in Dockway. We'll go just below now. 89 was Jimmy Graham. 92, Landon Collins. 94, Kirk Cousins. That's really all the notables I had that I was trying to pull out, you know, kind of bigger names or people that I felt highly regarded in there. Would you like to make a small wager on if Kirk Cousins will make the list again this year? (laughs) The 2019 list? Top 100? Dude, I'll bet against that. <laughs> that was a rough year for him. Yeah, man. Based off of the money he asked for and was given, and to have the receiving core that he has, I mean, if you think about it objectively, he's got arguably two Pro Bowl wide receivers and then, you know, one of the best tight ends in the game. 
along with Dalvin Cook. I know they didn't have the best offensive line slash the best offensive coordinator in Disloto. <laughs> There's a reason why he got fired. He was only running Cook about 10 times a game. I think he ran Cook over 10 times twice last year. And so that was, I think, a big reason why he got fired. But not to go off on too far of a tangent on, on the Vikings, but really good company there for Unique and Gakwe in 2017 was the year that they had that very ferocious defense that was scoring all the touchdowns. Uh, Sean Gibson and Church were back there you getting the ball, and Telvin Smith had, a, I think, three or four touchdowns. Really good company for Unique and Gakwe. Definitely cool to see him within uh, reaching distance of J.J. Watt, arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL. So. Yeah, just something interesting that came across the old desk. I know you brought it up a little bit. You've been getting some headlines, a little resurgence, a little Terrell Pryor in training camp. Ooh. Is this some, some big things, or we just have some semantics going on here? I was listening to DeFilippo's press conference this morning, and he was talking about how Terrell Pryor is the first player that he has coached on three different teams. DeFilippo came out and like made a joke about how old Pryor must be getting <laughs> for them to, to match up three times in three different cities. Funny to see him poke fun, but I think DeFilippo was his offensive coordinator when he was playing in Cleveland. I definitely think that uh, he was brought in just as some competition for the rest of the team. We got some young cats uh, receiving cores probably under the age of 25. You know, DJ Chart, D.D. Westbrook, all these guys are very young, and so it's nice to get somebody who's been a veteran and has played as, you know, a number one wide receiver before to come in, but he's definitely going to at least be on the roster bubble. With the bet, I would bet against him making the final 53-man roster. I don't think that he's got enough left in the tank at this point in his career. I think he's either 29 or 30, you know, getting up there in age, and that's a position where you got to be very spry and, and have a lot of, you know, quickness and athleticism, and I think those days may be behind him. So if we do keep him, I think maybe more of a situationally red zone threat just because he is a big-bodied 6'4 wide receiver. He's not going to come in and catch 40, 50 balls and score touchdowns and alarming rate or, or put up big yardage, but I think if he does make the team, then he could potentially be a good veteran leader for this young wide receiving core. It just brings in a lot of experience, and that's something that we do black at this point. Yeah, I agree with you as far as his roster placement being on the fringe. So we'll see. I hate to bring it up, but the last couple seasons, you know, it's like Jags have been looking good to go going into the regular season, and then light clockwork. Wide receiving core, bam, injury, bam, injury. So all of a sudden, somebody that's not going to be on the roster puts them on the roster, and they're going to have to perform. And like we've seen in the past, Mickens coming in and making a big impact, a free agent living out of his car and developed into like a folk hero for Jacksonville, and especially in the special teams. So who knows, man? So I hope that everybody's healthy, and if he's worthy of a roster spot, say give him a run. But a lot of time left. Got to see where Marquise Lee is after <laughs> You know, this whole year off, you know, with the torn ACL. Yeah. What a crazy turn of events that was. We didn't want to pay uh, Allen Robinson because he was an injury-prone wide receiver. We gave all that money to Marquise Lee, who we drafted after Allen Robinson for week two of the uh, preseason tears of AC. Just a very, very unfortunate thing. And we were looking at him to be our number one wide receiver. And right there, there goes Blake's top two weapons. Also lost Mercedes Lewis, a viable target. So I think in free agency, we went out and we addressed the tight end position. We went and got Jeff Swain, who is just as equally as talented as a pass catcher and a runner as he is a pass blocker, which really the MO on him so far is he's more of a blocker and inline tight end than someone who gets out into space but if you put on the film of him last year he was whiffing on blocks and then setting up for a screen and taking a screen for 40 yards and so this is a guy who can really get out there and run I mean you mentioned Landon Collins being on that top 100 list he burned the crap out of Landon Collins <laughs> in the Cowboys Giants game last year so that's if you watch any of the, the Eagles highlights of the Foles 
he loves targeting the tight end, and they had Dallas Goddard and, and Zach Ertz there. I'm not saying Josh Oliver and Jeff Swain are those kind of caliber tight ends, but in a run-first, very play-action-heavy offense, that they'll be featured a lot, and hopefully those guys will take a lot of pressure off of the young receiving core. The ball is just going to be spread out across this whole offense, and it's going to be very fun to watch. I don't think we have our eggs in, in one basket outside of Leonard Fournette, the huge X factor, and we'll get back into that another day as, as we have before. <laughs> For sure, especially Foles liking the tight end so much. It'll be a focal point is typically at least the past couple of years, especially with Mercedes Lewis getting older and him being primarily a blocking tight end. Ever since that Thomas experiment didn't really work out a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was um, rough, man. <laughs> they're like, all right, you know, tight end, you'll get a couple looks per game. But outside of that, we're just going to need you to block and we're going to run as many times as possible. Ten guys in the box with Lenny. Till it goes, man. Let's roll on back down that river, man. Keep it rolling. That'll wrap up another little segment for us. So we'll come on back for another great chat with the boys. <laughs>